Hi, I'm Anthony. Hi, I'm Dane's brother, I'm Chris, and you're listening to Runners on Trail, the trail running podcast by mid-pack runners. For mid-pack runners, and we're here at the start of the Squamish 50, 50 mile race in beautiful British Columbia. The mountains are up above us, and we've got to push 50 miles with 3,500 metres of ascent out today. Chris is running the 50 miler, I'm running the 50 50. I've got to do 50 miles today, and then 50 kilometres with 2,500 metres of ascent tomorrow. So for me, today is all about leg preservation. For Chris, it's all about crushing it massively. (laughs) He's going to finish hopefully a little bit quicker than I do. Um, He's certainly running lighter than I am. I've got my race vest on. He's just running with two bottles and a few gels. He's run the trails before. He knows them well. Uh, He says the first half runs easier than the second half. Certainly the first 10 kilometers. That's because it's completely flat, right? Flat as a pancake. So that's going to be good. But there are some very big mountains that we're looking at in the distance. And I'm getting slightly nervous about how many of them I've got to run up and which ones it is I'm running up. This is how a trail race should start. There's music. There's lots of people walking around looking very nervous. We've both been through our pre-race ablutions. They would be proud of us. And we're getting ready to start. Hopefully, today won't be too bad. Hopefully, I'll get it done in 14 hours with my legs intact, ready to run tomorrow. But we'll see. This is the Squamish 50. So welcome back. It's episode 11 of Runners on Trail. And this one is all about Squamish 5050, which you ran in Canada. Half of it with my brother, the yep. longer half. Yeah. It's a fantastic run. And we'll get into that as we go through this podcast, I guess. Yeah. So the Squamish 50 races are run in a place called Squamish, which is just north of Vancouver. And there's a 50 mile on the Saturday and on the Sunday, a 50 kilometer and a 23 kilometer. And if you want to... You can run the 50 mile on the Saturday and the 50 kilometer on the Sunday. And if you complete them, you get yourself a special cap having done the 50-50. And the thing I loved about this was two things, really. One, the caps don't say what year you did it in. The caps for how many times you finish. So mm. if you finish it once, you get a blue cap. If you've done it twice, you get a green cap. Three times a yellow cap. Four times an orange and grey cap. And five times, which someone did this year. They're the only person that's done it. You get a black cap. But more than that, for me, there was a a mental bit involved in this race. In that, you run the 50 mile on the Saturday, and you complete the 50 mile, and there you go. You get one of these. A 50 mile, finishes medal, you've done it. You've done 50 miles. There's no need to come back on Sunday. You've done a 50 mile ultra, three and a half thousand metres of climb. You've got a medal. And you've got your medal, (laughs) you've got your time. It's all official and recognised. You've got to then have the get up and go to get home, get yourself sorted, get some sleep, and drag yourself back to the start in yeah, the morning. Yeah, almost to what's another, which is a separate race. Yeah. It's not like it's a two-day stage thing. You've completed one, now you've got to come back and do another. Exactly. Mm. And I was terrified about that until Gary Robbins sent out an email shortly before it, and it effectively said, nearly everybody that turns up for day two completes. And in fact, weirdly, a lot of people say they find the second day easier than the first. Now, ultimately, when I spoke to him after the race, there'd been a lot of discussion with him and Jeff, the other guy that runs the race, about whether they put that in there. And I said to him, well, that really motivated. That's what, as much as anything else, made me get up and go back, knowing that that's what he'd said. Didn't he also say in the email, he can guarantee that 100% of the runners that don't turn up for day two don't finish it exactly as well exactly you put it the other yeah. way around if you don't, don't turn yeah. if you don't come back if you don't turn up you don't finish yeah, do yeah. so i found that really motivational uh and that was good and that was interesting because they didn't know whether that would be motivational or not for people and this is worth saying just a quick bit for people who might not know gary robbins is world famous in the ultra running community in that apart from being a brilliant race director he's also done the Barkley marathons three times I think now and I know this year no one he was the only one that completed the fun run which is three of the five loops in very bad weather conditions yeah and the other two times he's done four of the five loops so he's he came very close to completing the Barkley marathons but didn't quite manage it yes yeah no shame in that just get, get no shame in that no, exactly <laughs> so the first race on the Saturday I'd stayed with Thane's brother Chris who's dulcet tones you've just heard 
in Vancouver. He was doing the 50 mile and was looking to do a fairly good time. Uh, I was looking to run a lot slower. I'd worked out that I reckoned 14 hours as a sweet spot of saving my legs for day two, whilst also giving me enough time to get back, have some food, roll my legs out, have a shower, go to bed, get up, have some food, come back to the next start. And so that's what I was aiming to run for. And aiming really just from a bit of experience there was no real way I could judge it apart from just having run a few races before and working out how quick I thought I was going and of course you never know what's going to happen as you go through the race so we turn up at the start in Squamish uh, very comprehensive race brief from Gary Robbins talked about a lot of things talked about the course markings I'll talk about those in a minute talked about bears and cougars and talked that, about that would have pleased my brother yeah I know <laughs> he, he, had, he had his little can of bear spray yeah uh, talked about the trails and things and talked about the cutoff so it's a 17 hour cutoff on the 50 miler and there are cutoffs along the route Gary of course knows all about cutoffs yeah <laughs> and he had this to say uh, cutoffs are in place along the course um, getting cutoff sucks if you get cut off at any point today, we ask that you treat that volunteer with respect while they are enforcing our rules. I've missed a cutoff before, and I know how much it can really suck. So uh, please treat those people with respect when or if that happens today. So we set off, and what was really noticeable right from the very beginning was the amazing trail marking. So they'd put out somewhere between... 6,000 and 8,000 flags, 20 rolls of course tape. My word. So it meant that on average, you were hitting a tra- a marker every 20 metres for 80 miles. That's unreal, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you literally, I mean, if you'd gone wrong, there was, I, I don't know how you could have gone wrong on this trail. It was phenomenal. Like 10 out of 10 for trail marking. It couldn't have been any better. It really yeah, couldn't. Yeah. And were these the small metal yeah, the loops with little. Yeah, the little sort of, yeah, about 18 inches high with a bright pink flag on them. Yeah. And then the the, the tape was bright pink tape and they'd hung meter-long streamers from trees and Mm, stuff. mm. And then from the last aid station in, they had yellow salmon tape as well on top of all that. So it was just everywhere. And they had marshals at all the Mm. major junctions telling you which way to go. Yeah, it was really, really good. The first 10K of the run is pancake flat. Yeah. And then there's a real thing there, of course, to try and keep yourself not going too quickly. Yeah. What was very cool was we got to the first aid station on the approach to the first aid station, reminded very, very much of getting to the first aid station on Transylvania, where the entire town had turned out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, for this, once again, they all know that everyone's going to be through there in the space of 20 minutes. Yeah, go down. So people tell that there was so much clapping and cheering. It was brilliant. Really big, brought a really big smile to your face. Yeah. Let's go up to 10k. I don't know where we are, but everybody's turned out. Oh. Good job, good job. Oh. Good job. Good job. Good job. Good job. Good job. Good job. Good Where's the pussy cat gone? She didn't make it. I know, no pussy cat this morning. Anyway, first day station, man, by the beautiful people from Capra. Amazing. Thank you. And of course, at that point, it's 80 kilometres and you've done 10 of them in under an hour. Yeah, It's a good feeling. No, brilliant. And then you head out and, and start up what is a fairly gnarly climb. It's about 300 metres in about... Uh, one and a half kilometres and it's called Dbex and Gary had talked in the pre-race briefing about how the trails were effectively constructed by the mountain bikers around Squamish and he said you'll be going up Dbex and you'll think there is no way anyone can mountain bike down these trails and I completely agree as I climbed those trails I thought there is no way anyone can mountain bike down these things they weren't groomed trails at all mm. there's tree roots there's boulders there's all sorts of stuff sticking up even if, if you were trying to run up this I clearly wasn't I was trying to walk up it because it was so steep you'd have real problems yeah. and I thought there's no way someone's going to mountain bike down this as I saw later on in the day people genuinely were mountain biking down these things at absolutely ridiculous 
ridiculous speed. These people are clearly very talented mountain bikers. Yeah, yeah. That ain't me. I'm not in that category. <laughs> Do you know what? Over here, when we run occasionally, yeah. you can tell that there's friction between runners and mountain bikers yeah, on trails. Yeah, not out there at all. There was none of that. It mm. was all smiles. They, someone would come flying past you and go, three more behind me. And you just yeah. stay off the side of the trail, they boof, 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 they all come flying past you, and then off you carry on again. Yeah, yeah. You know, you clearly will get out of the way because these people are going at breakneck speed. But it was absolutely fine, and there's clearly a really good relationship between yeah, the trail yeah. runners. Yeah, that's good. I mean, yeah. the Squamish 50 donated 21,000 that they'd harvested from entry fees and orientation runs and stuff to the Off-Road Cycling Association. So it's wow. a, there's a good symbiotic yes. relationship yeah, yeah, there yeah, yeah. Yeah. in them being able to build their trails and do stuff with money from the 50. So that works for them, I guess. That opens up a trail for the runners then to use. And, yeah, absolutely. And they give something back to it. Yeah, absolutely. So that was good. And as I said, they were fantastic. So after you've done DBEX, you come down to the second aid station at a place called Alice Lake. And Alice Lake is where the 50k starts. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I was feeling all right. Didn't feel too bad. The first climb had been quite tough. And I thought, wow, you know, if it's like this all day, this will be tough. And they're all tough during the day, as we'll talk about. But do you know what? I think you just get yourself into a rhythm. Yeah, yeah. Push through. So in many ways, that climb, did it feel the toughest on the first day? Maybe, maybe not. But it certainly felt tough. And I was worried at that point about how it was going to go, I guess. And they've all got fantastic names, all these things. So I said, there's D-Bex Hill, and then there's Midlife Crisis. <laughs> and then the, the last climb you do is called Mountain of Phlegm, um, <laughs> which as someone said to me, they should really call it Quads Full of Lactic Acid, because yeah. that's what it felt like. But yeah, great. And look, time to, I guess, to talk about the aid stations. They had over 300 volunteers out for the race and they were all absolutely fantastic. They bounced from aid station to aid station. So you'd see people throughout the day thinking, I've seen you. Yes, you saw me at this aid station so many hours. You think, well, how can you be here? And you realise, yeah, yeah. well, that was five hours ago. It doesn't take them that long to move by car from one place to another. Yeah. Um, while we're climbing the trails. Really well-stocked aid stations, electrolytes, gels, fruit, sweets, crisps, all the, all the kind of stuff you get from an ultra with a few other little bits and pieces thrown in. So I'd never really eaten potatoes before this ultra. Right. So, but they had lots of potatoes, massive pans of potatoes <laughs> with vats of salt next to them to yes. dip your potatoes yeah, in. Yeah. Um, so that was good. So yeah, aid station people, really good. And for the first 20k, I was having an okay time. <sighs> so that's... 20 kilometers done in oh, let's call it two and a half hours just done that just gone through the second station lots of people cheering and I think it's very good we're now into a nice bit of runnable flat thank goodness for this path I know it went fast but enjoy it while I can legs are okay feeling okay Beautiful, of course. I mean, when you're in the trees, you can't necessarily see a lot. We're just trying to pass a lake now. It's absolutely beautiful. Fantastic. Now, Lulworth Cove, thank goodness, taught me many things leading yes, up to this yeah. with my DNF. And one of them was getting your footwear right. And I had considered wearing road shoes for this, having worn road shoes for Thames Path 100. But Lulworth convinced me that was the wrong shoe to wear. And it was that was the wrong shoe to wear. So I decided to wear my Sound and Sense Rides, which are my most padded trail shoe, but they've got brilliant grip. Yeah. And they were absolutely the right shoe to wear for this. And I'm glad I wore them. You, you know how we raved on about the Salomon lacing system and how easy yeah. it is to adjust. And that was great. And it's a good sign as well. It, the Salomon Sense Ride is what Gary Robbins wears. It is. And I know that because he's a Salomon sponsored athlete. And on Strava, he always says which shoes he's wearing. And he used to wear Sense Pro 2s and also, but now he's favouring the Sense um, Sense Rides. And it won't surprise you at all to know that the Squamish 50 is sponsored by Salomon. Yes. So there you go. <laughs> it all comes together neatly. <laughs> it always does, doesn't it? <laughs> the only problem is they're slightly narrow or they're narrower than all my other shoes. And so I'd picked a pair of Socks had decent padding on the bottom of them, Drymax ones. But those with the size of the shoe meant yeah. I was fairly full in the shoe. So I'm just coming up to 29 kilometres done in the Squamish 50 mile. Just gone through A Station 3. <coughs> uh, just after the last A Station, just after I've done the last recording, I decided to stop and change my socks. Uh, 
that was a really good thing to do. Starting to get some real hot spots, and my toes are embedding on the end of my shoes because uh, the socks were so thick. So I changed to a really thin pair I had with me. So far, I mean, it's been seven or eight cut. They feel absolutely fine. We've just done a lovely downhill bit down a BMX track left and right. The switchbacks, or mountain bike track, because I'm a mountain bike man. There you go. So basically, three eighths done. And you know what? I feel alright. I really do. Just gonna keep going. It's three hours fifty minutes so far. I did one third distance in three hours thirty. So we'll see. So far, so good. And so after the third aid station, which is about at 30k, you start a 10k loop round something called Cliffs Corners. Right. Which for me was probably the toughest bit of downhill I've ever done in right. a trail run. It was really technical. More the, more so than Transvolcania. Much more. And I would say that the Squamish 50 in general was much more technical than any of the downhill in Transvolcania. Okay. It doesn't have 17k of 15 degree no, downhill. It doesn't have the length, but um, it's got the... But the yeah, yeah it's, it's tree roots, it's boulders, it's all sticking up, yeah, it's yeah. soft sand, it's big drop-offs. Because yeah, the mountain yeah. bikers are quite happy to go well, they, jump, jump, a, um, go off a metre high rock onto the next bit trail. Like that, yeah, <laughs> um, but you have to either jump down or climb down. So yeah, very technical. Uh-huh. Um, and some of these bits, I was literally climbing down backwards. It was just ridiculous. Wow. And your legs are tired. And you know that mentally you're not brilliant. And there were some bits of that that really I probably could have just gone for, I'm sure, if I'd been more awake or hadn't been tired. Yeah. And yeah. certainly if I'd had poles. I understand why they don't want people to have poles in this course. There is a lot of very narrow trail. But at the same time, my goodness, you could really do with them. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there you go. So you loop round. And then, of course, you do this 10K loop, which takes you however long it took, more than an hour, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And then end up at exactly the same aid station, <laughs> which could be really demoralising. Did you see the, the winner, the, the, the leaders coming round? I, I, well, there were people coming back. The leaders had already gone through by the time I went down yeah. there, I think. But yeah, so you saw people, there's a little bit where you're linked up yes. for about 400 metres right. before it splits off. And so there were people coming back up. To be fair, when I was coming back up, there were people going down. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, and I was looking at my watch at, even at that point and thinking... Oh, I don't know if they're going to make the cutoffs. I wasn't too concerned about the cutoff at 17 hours. Mm. It was more getting with it, enough time to get back yeah, again. Yeah, it's more the concern about doing day two, isn't it? More yeah. About- Bizarrely, as I was running up from corners to A Station 3B, a runner came out to me and she said, where are you from? And I said, oh, I'm from the UK. She said, oh, I know you're from the UK. I heard you talking. Where are you from? And I said, oh, I'm from Bristol. And she said, oh, you're from Bristol. We saw there are other people from Bristol. We're from Bristol too. <laughs> and... And I said, where are, you f- where are you from? And she started to talk about it, describing bits in Bristol. I said, I don't want to live in it there. And we described it more and more and more. Literally, she lives 400 metres um, up my road and just off a, on a side road from what, my road. like a dozen uh, people from the UK running in the race? I know. Literally 400 metres from my house. That's crazy. Absolutely and bizarre. She, you, you, you were talking to her while she was running? Yeah, we were running together. Oh, yeah. wow. And then I got the most horrendous cramp um, and had to stop and let her go on. But we looped around each other all day. Her and her husband were both over from the UK running it. Fantastic. So, yeah. Small world. Isn't it? I mean, really bizarre. <laughs> Which I guess leads me on quite neatly to the runners in the race and the people I met there who were universally absolutely lovely. Really great people from Gary Robbins, clearly, but all the way down, as I've said, to the people manning the aid stations, the volunteers who were amazing and the runners. And one person I'd like to talk about in particular was a guy called Mike, who I bumped into on that same stretch as I was running up to 3B. And I started talking to him, talking about the race and everything else. And it dawned and and came across that I was running completely on my own. I had no one there with me running. My wife's going to be at the finish, but no one else there. He offered me his race crew to crew for me for the rest of the day. Wow. Which, you know... I just thought it was a brilliant thing to have done. Yeah. You know, he said, just grab me, I'll get my crew to sort you out. Just sit down, let my crew crew for you. Um, now in the end, I, I didn't use him. I just sorted myself out and I didn't see him necessarily all that often. But as I said, I thought it was a really lovely yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. when you're in the middle of a tough race to think of someone else like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, massive kudos to him. I, Mike, you're an absolute star. You really were. Five hours, 15 minutes. Just gone through 
aid station 3B you do aid station 3 twice because you do a loop out from aid station 3 and then back to it so just bumped into a guy called Mike uh, he's doing the 50-50 this year he did the 50 mile last year he did it in 13 and a half hours so if he's running true to form then I reckon that my 14 hour estimate is about right we shall see in front of me <laughs> is a very big hill well, I mean very very big I'm walking up a trail, everybody's walking up it, nobody's running up it, it's nearly packed flat. And the reason we're doing that is that in about half a kilometre we start a climb. And it's 800 metres and about 4 kilometres ish, 4 to 5. I'm not looking forward to it, not really, but. Once you've done that, you're at the highest point. You're over halfway. And I think those are pretty cool things to have done. And uh, mentally, I think that's going to be pretty excellent, really. And we've done a big climb already. We did about 500 metres earlier. So, you know, 800. Yeah, it'll be fine. Cramps. Mm-hmm. Well, I haven't got them at the moment. Just eating some salty potatoes some watermelon and had some coke which I probably shouldn't have done given if I had a caffeine gel an hour ago but there you go the landscape around here is absolutely beautiful exactly as you imagine Canada when you see it in all the pictures of the wilderness hopefully no cougars and bears <laughs> although everyone's talking about it like it's going to happen so this will be the last podcast I'll do before I get to the top hopefully I'll still be in as good a mood when I get there so after that third aid station you then come to Galactic Scheiser the biggest climb on the course Galactic Scheiser yeah what does Scheiser stand for that doesn't stand for shit oh does it I don't know (laughs) probably (laughs) I don't know what a cool name um, they've got, they're, all of them have got amazing names yeah. and so the first one's Plastic Shizer which is a bit as you've got to Plastic Shizer they've all got these amazing names <laughs> um, and I thought this was going to be really tough and you know what I started climbing up it and we got up it in about an hour and it was just steady pushing hard mm. and it didn't feel that bad at all just head down grind it out yeah but it didn't even feel like a grind it just felt like a good yeah. pumping walk you know I guess all these things you come you have purple patches and moments don't you yeah yeah I'd had a caffeine gel about an hour before I'd had some coke I'd, I was feeling fairly good on my nutrition it just worked and I got to the top and then I had to run down the other side of it and that was a bit tough but it was fine and then I got through the next day station which was supposed to only have water and coke and things but was mm. fully stocked and they were all really good bunch of people too and started on the run to Quest University which is only five kilometers away and then I had another really big moment having had these really bad cramps yeah. on the way up to A station 3B I then suddenly went from feeling okay to massively overheating so I haven't recorded anything for a while uh, it's just been running it's been on and off I got a hot spot on my left foot and then trying to sort that out I got a massive cramp in my left calf it was really painful once taking me the best part of five kilometers to shake it off I guess gone past the 50 kilometre aid station and there's another one in about two and a half kilometres but I'm just taking a rest because I'm really warm and there's a nice breeze and a bit of a view where I am looking out over the massive trees it's lovely it really is but I guess I best get on uh, what's that over 52 and a half kilometres in yeah, call it eight and a quarter hours it's alright we're getting there so then you get to Quest University and there's a really good set of aid stations there and there's a load of steps you have to climb up and everyone's chapping and clapping and cheering and you're thinking, yeah. I'm not running up these steps, this is ridiculous. <laughs> and you walk up and there would be the most amazing view of the mountains <laughs> yeah. from Quest University, apart from the fact that there have been 360 wildfires burning in British Columbia and it looked like someone had literally just hung a white sheet up in the distance and you couldn't see anything at all. What kind of range could you see? 
kilometer maybe that was that was through the whole two weeks you were there most of the time yeah i mean it got a bit longer maybe yeah Yeah, yeah. some days it cleared a bit when the wind changed direction and then it got bad again crikey so if you're going to go out there the views in canada everybody tells me are amazing (laughs) you've told me that your brother's told me that all all the people i know who've been to canada told me they're amazing and i'm sure they are they just (laughs) weren't for me so uh, i'm on the climb at quest Ah. Really overheated on the run down to there. Uh, I had to stop, take a few minutes, and then when I got there, I got me to put some ice cubes inside my buff, which is down around my neck. It's nearly melted all the way now. It's been a couple of kilometres, but uh, it's been really nice to sort of cool me down. My shirt's a bit wet at the front. Hopefully, that will keep me cool as well. It's tough, but hey ho, I'm on the climb, uh, which isn't too bad. Uh, I've just got to push the uh, kilometers out to the end, really. Try and preserve the legs. I've decided if I get any more hot spots or blisters, I'm just going to have to put up with it, because trying to sort them out seems to give me more problems in terms of cramp and stuff, but I think I'm saving. So... Hopefully at the moment everything feels alright apart from the little toe on my right foot, but I can live with that and cope with it and sort it out when I get home tonight. It's got really warm though. Really, really warm. It's now, what, uh, it's gone half past two in the afternoon. And, uh, yeah, very warm indeed. Got to keep the fluids going. Got to keep them going. So... You leave Quest and you climb up this bit called Garibaldi and got this thing called the Climb Trail. And there's a bit as you go up this climb trail where you go mm. underneath a sort of bridge that the mountain bikers have built over the trail. Okay. And there's people coming over it. So you later on in the race. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, so so you effort. go under the race and the race is going over the top. And, and you because you at that point I didn't have a map. I didn't know exactly how far it yeah, was yeah. around. And you think it can't be that far, can it? No. Uh, so you go into the trail and you just start climbing. And again, I think it's probably only about a 300 meter, might be 500 meter climb, but it genuinely seemed to go on forever. And it's a 5k loop from right. when you go under to when you get okay. back over the top. Okay. And it took me an hour. And the downhill from there was really steep. But yeah, that, that loop from when you go under the trail to back, that and corners were the toughest two bits of the course by far for me. Right. And the next day when I, went back on the 50k went under there there was a real moment where I almost wanted to cry <laughs> knowing what was coming and that's because of the roots and the rocks and it, it just everything. seemed to go on forever and even though you know you know it can't be that far because yeah, yeah. you know where the next aid station is yeah yeah but actually the eight, when you get to the top of that climb the next aid station is only about 2k and you just you're looking at the profiles and trying to work it out and yeah no it was just really horrid but then you get to the second to last aid station all of a sudden it, it came you get to quest and think oh, I've got so much more to do yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden, you, I was at the second to last aid station yeah. going, wow. Nearly there. Yeah. So the people at that aid station were fantastic, really enthusiastic, and they'd been there for years doing this mm-hmm. thing, things at the beginning. So they'd, yeah, they'd yeah. seen it all, and they, they were just lovely. And I said to the one of the people there that I wanted to finish under 14 hours, and I think I had three hours 20 yeah. to do it in. Okay. And they went, it's going to be a bit tough to do it in 320. And I thought, well, okay. I've just I like gonna, it tough. <laughs> I'm just going to do the best I can. Yeah. And so I set off and ploughed as fast as I could and got to the last aid station. I was told in this podcast that I had to say which I thought was the best aid station. Okay. <laughs> and I think probably it was the last aid it station. It was the last aid station. And a place with the far side. <laughs> and they'd set it up like it was the Barclay Marathons. Really? Okay. So there's, um, they were all dressed in check shirts and orange beanies <laughs> like Laz. They'd put um, license plates up everywhere and I'm, and I was stood there and you, you're really tired yeah, yeah, you've been, yeah I've been running for about 12 hours and I turned around and went oh you've got license plates you know they do that at the Barky Brackets <laughs> <laughs> which was I went to me and went look around you and I went ah oh, I get it now <laughs> sorry it was very funny and someone saw me there and one of the A station people said what's your name and I said Anthony and she said I expect to see you smiling like you are now when you come back tomorrow and I said yeah, all right then. I'll, I'll smile when I come back tomorrow. But they were just lovely, really nice people. And I left there with about two hours to do the last 10K. 
Last aid station done. 10k to go. I left there in 12 hours, 1 minute, 30 seconds. So, under 14 hours. 10k, 2 hours basically. Been told not to underestimate this bit by just about everybody who's done it. So, I'm gonna take it steady. And then the last 4k are on the road, I think, on the flat. So it's just a case of how I manage that. I think there might be a little bit of running and walking, just to make sure I don't completely blow up. 4k is a long way when you've not been running for that sort of distance all day. You've just been walking up and a little bit of walking down and jogging down. There you go. Anyway, 10k to go. Everyone had said to me, the last 10k is not easy. You're, there's yeah, lots of yeah. things in the tail. It's not good. And I was really lucky. I met up with a brilliant runner called Brianna who had run the 50k the year before. Yeah. So she knew that part of the course. And she ran bits that I probably would have just trudged. But she clearly knew they could be run. And I just literally got tucked in behind her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And ran and yeah. just refused to let myself stop. Even though my legs were screaming at me at this point to stop, I ran everything I could. Uh-huh. Um, and she distanced me a bit on some of those bits, but I catch her up a bit on the climbs. So again, thanks to her because it really showed me, I reckon I would have been a good 15 minutes slower on that bit. Yeah. Probably if I hadn't done that. It was the confidence of the fact she was moving over the ground faster. In front thought- of me, I could see that she was doing that and I knew that she knew the course. So she was yeah. telling me about bits. So, and the more, the more she told me about bits and then we saw them, the more confidence I had in, yeah, yeah, in, yeah. in, in her. What she was saying. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so we've been told, I've been told it was about 4k flat at the end. Mm. And as I'm along, she's going, nah, it's not that much. Yeah. It's about 3k. And people are going on, going on and on, on about the steps at the end of this thing. And I go, what are the steps? And what there are, as you get close to the finish, are just coming down the mountain. It's so steep, you have to go down steps. Right. And there's loads and loads and loads of wooden steps. Luckily, there's handrails. And she said to me, you just need to get both hands on the handrails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And take a load of weight and almost slide your hands down and just bounce down, but take the weight on your arms, not on your legs. It's brilliant advice. And they were absolutely fine, really. I mean, your legs are screaming at you anyway. And then the last bit's flat on the road. And... I thought about running the whole way, but I didn't. I realised that I was, at that point, okay, and I was under my 14 hours. We'd done the last bit really quickly. She'd, yeah, really, yeah. she'd smashed us through it, and it took us about an hour and 45 to do it. So I walked bits and ran bits of the road, and then got to cross the line, and slightly surprised Gary, who had a microphone and was interviewing people as they crossed the line. <laughs> and of course, I've got my podcast recorder in my hand, <laughs> so it was a bit of who's interviewing who at the finish yeah, line. yeah. Oh. Oh. Here we go. Crossing the line. Oh. And I get a hug from the man, the beard, the legend that is Gary Rummy. Are we doing an yeah. interview right now? If you like. Is it being live streamed? No. I'm doing my podcast though. So there you go. Oh, man. Fantastic. Right. Have you been here before? No. No? All right. You're wearing a 50-50 bib. You're recording. He's doing a live interview right now. And this is your first time in Squamish? My first time in Squamish. It's absolutely amazing. Where do you come? Where are you coming from? Uh, Bristol in the UK. From Bristol in the UK. You got the 50-50 bib. How's everything uh, feeling to get up and come back for 50k tomorrow? I'll be here tomorrow. I thought so. And my final question. I am very curious. How did you hear about us, the Squamish 50? Yeah, I'm going to have to blame Ethan, aren't I, for that? My goodness gracious, to the common team all day, all the international Congratulations. Thank you. Thanks for getting all you guys over here. Cheers, we'll man. see you bright and early. See you tomorrow. Daddy. Hey, Daddy. mate. Daddy. Ooh, you're a bit spicy. And then smash down half a burger, free burgers at the finish line. Race directors take note. <laughs> there's nothing better when you've run 50 miles and someone going would you like a free cheeseburger yes I really really would because <laughs> that helped me take some ibuprofen straight away as well because I couldn't take that on an empty stomach so I yeah. smashed down half a burger had a protein shake and then got in the car drove back to your brothers had a shower put my compression on had some food just let myself calm down which yeah, I needed yeah, yeah, to yeah. do yeah because you've got to sleep so you've got to, you've got to get it out of your system exactly bit, and by the time I got to bed it had just gone 11 o'clock at night okay and what time did you have to get up the next morning? Well, I'd worked hopefully I'd get up. I, I, I could have got up slightly later, but my wife said she'd phone roll my legs for me. I really couldn't yeah. do it myself. I needed someone else to massage them out. Yeah. So I got up at three. Okay. So okay. I got about three hours sleep. Yeah, yeah. I reckon. 
okay. which was much less than I thought I was going to get when I worked out the 14-hour schedule. Your brother was good enough to offer to drive me back the next day, which was great. He was in bits. His, <laughs> you know, he was literally going downstairs on his backside. My legs felt fine. They really did. I'd done everything right. I'm so pleased with how I did it. Mm. I didn't run too hard. I got my compression on and everything else. And my legs genuinely felt okay. That's I, amazing, isn't I it? I know. It, I couldn't believe how good they felt. Yeah. And it's not necessarily because you'd done the training because you hadn't done as much as you wanted no. to do by any means. But you, it's the kind of those little bits that you've learned from doing other things. Yeah. And I guess, you know, I have got years now of running. So yeah. there's years of fitness built into my legs that my yeah, leg yeah. shape and my leg setup is probably miles better than it was years ago. Yeah. But yeah, that was great. And the start for 50k isn't where the finish is. Whereas the, whereas the 50 mile start yeah. and finish is very close. The 50k starts miles away at Alice Lake where the 20k aid station was on the, yeah. on the 50 mile. So your brother. And is it, does it do then the rest of the course? Not pretty uh, much. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. We'll go, okay. I'll talk about that in a sec. But so he drove me there, but he'd done the 50 mile in under 11 hours. Yeah. 10 yeah. hours 58. That's pretty That's good. good. You know, I'd gone across the line in 13 hours, 47. And I think you came 65th or something. Something like that, yeah. yeah. Out of how many people were running? I don't know. I, you don't know how many people were running because they don't... If, I think results, it was 400 have registered. The results page doesn't say. Only It's only got the finishers on it. Yeah, but when when, but when you were running it, I think there was 400. Okay. I, as I said, I know 160 people registered for the 50-50, but I don't know how many started. Yeah, yeah. Because it doesn't say. Okay. So we went back, back to Alice Lake. Uh, for the brief so Skormish 50 day 2 the 50k I am alright this morning my legs feel okay a little bit of a sore left calf from yesterday where I got the cramp but other than that I feel pretty good to be fair I made sure I Took some ibuprofen after the race yesterday, having a turn something to eat and put on my compression and had a protein shake. And it seems to have paid dividends. Anything today. The only thing that's bad is I, I literally couldn't eat too much yesterday. My stomach just wouldn't let me. And so uh, this morning I feel a bit hungry, but I've eaten some porridge. We'll see how it goes. Chris has kindly driven me to the lake. How are your legs? Awful. <laughs> yeah, and but I'm not doing this today. <laughs> but let's be fair, the man's crushed it yesterday. Uh, finished in ten hours fifty-eight minutes. So that's amazing. Um, yeah, absolutely amazing. Almost three hours quicker than I was, and um, you had the legs to match. So that's okay. <laughs> anyway, I'm gonna do the pre-race briefing, and then we're gonna be off. Just going to take it steady. Just got to get through. 10 hours, 12 minutes is the target. That put me under 24 hours. We'll see if I manage it. The one thing that was worrying me was mm. I felt really hungry. I'd not really been able to eat too much the night before. My yeah. stomach had just said, all yeah. right, you've had some food, no more food. Yeah. I could feel it starting to rumble and I thought I don't want to be sick. So I started day two, even though I'd had some porridge for breakfast, still I felt absolutely empty and yeah, hollow. Yeah, yeah. And that was my worry, was I didn't have enough mm. fuel in the tank. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. These legs that felt so good were going to need fueling, and I wasn't going to be able to give it to them. And we started running, and almost immediately, I hit a snag, and that was that my feet weren't happy. So I'd switched socks. Okay. So the thin socks from the day before, I'd basically destroyed. They were so thin. Mm. So they had holes in them and all sorts of stuff. I'd had two pairs of those, though, luckily. Okay. So I had another pair of those in my race vest again. And I wore the socks we got at Transalcania. Okay. Which are the, which have always been my backup socks before. Yeah. Until I got these brand new thin ones. My Transalcania and they were the ones I backed up to when I did the Mendit Marauder and yeah. I had problems. So I started running in those and immediately something didn't feel right on my right foot on my toes. So the first thing I did was change just one sock. Yeah. Just that side. Okay. Well, the other one felt fine. As we said in the first episode, it's not a fashion show, it's <laughs> yeah. an ultra marathon. <laughs> But it didn't change that. Nothing changed. So I mucked around. In the end, I realized that it wasn't... I thought it was my little toe, but it wasn't. It was the next toe over. Mm. And I don't know what it was and what the problem was, but I had this really thick sort of pink felt stuff. You've got some of it, I think. Yeah. That I was given by a chiropodist to put over the ends of my toes if they bash yeah, it in yeah. my shoes. But I wrapped it around my little toe, mm. put my transalcalia socks back on again, 
and it was fine. And by the time I started running again, I was literally last on the course, I think. <laughs> there was no one there. I was totally on my own. Um, but it's the right thing to do, isn't it? I mean, yeah. You got to, you got, you, there's no point going on because these situations just get Well, and I've learned from yesterday that if once my legs got tired, it wouldn't just be changing the socks and the stuff on my feet that would matter. I'd have to contend with cramping probably and other things. Yeah, yeah. So let's do it now while the legs are fresh and don't yeah, care. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and sort it out. And so you get to the first aid station and the first aid station at 10 kilometers and you've done a bit of climb, but nowhere near as the big first, you don't do D-Bex again. Right. Okay. So you get to the first aid station, which is aid station three from day one. But what you don't then have to do is the loop around Cliff's Corners. Oh, okay. Which yeah. I knew. And yeah, I was yeah. overjoyed. <laughs> so just out of the first aid station on the 50k, uh, had a bit of a problem with my feet. Uh, especially on my toes. So in the first 4K, I had my socks off four times, uh, changing socks, put the socks back on, playing around with a few things. Finally sorted it. I've got a couple of little hot spots where I've got some second skin on. It's not quite in the right place, but I'm just gonna have to live with that now. Uh, but that's gonna be a little bit behind. But hey, what I've saved. And then those little rests. I'm sure we'll pay dividends later. Really hungry this morning, couldn't eat much last night and couldn't eat much before I got going this morning. So at the aid station I've just eaten basically an entire potato with salt. It was just gorgeous, I was so hungry. And now we're out and about to do the Galactic Shite. It's great to do it this early on. Uh, my legs are feeling really good. I mean, all things relative. But given where I thought I could be, really good. So, and the weather is lovely and overcast and cool. It's beautiful. Eight hours, 12 minutes is the goal. Hopefully today. Hey, I mean, don't get me wrong. 11 and a half hours is the goal. But 11 hours, 12 minutes or, yeah, would be fantastic. We should get me in under 24 hours. We will see. But at the moment, I'm feeling good, but I'm probably 10 or 15 minutes behind where I wanted to be. But there you go. The beauty, of course, then, that you start Galactic Shice about 11 kilometres into the run. Yeah. Whereas the day before, you started it having done almost a marathon. And I started Galactic Shice and thought, this is it. I feel great. Yeah, this yeah. is epic. Yeah. <laughs> and about halfway up, my legs started to feel tired when I hadn't felt tired the day before and okay. that's no surprise really no, no but it was all right and I got to the top but then really in the way that you know when you run and you get good patches and bad patches yeah I suddenly hit what we you and I would call a massive purple patch and I mm. flew yeah. down the other side on all the way to the aid station two I was flying past people no one passed me from aid station one to yeah. aid station two so all the way up galactic and all the way down yeah. Not one person came past me. But you were last. <laughs> well, <laughs> exactly. So you never go anywhere up either. <laughs> there you go. And, I, 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 and, I, and as I was running, I was thinking, this is great. I'm going past people. I'm really supposed to be coming back to me. To which I reminded myself, I've probably been nearly last on the yeah. course. There wasn't anybody <laughs> yeah, to come past me. So I've just gone through second aid station. It's a bit difficult to say how far it is. On the map, it's only supposed to be 18k. But everybody seems to think it's longer than that. Which means the 50k is maybe running slightly over 50k today. We shall see. Um, I reckon it was about 19k. Maybe a bit more. And now I'm going to wait to Crest. It's only 5 kilometres. <laughs> yes, only 5 kilometres. Um, the weather is lovely and cool today. Certainly contrast to yesterday afternoon. And so there is a bit of a thing that says run as fast and as hard as you can because I suspect this will burn off and it will get warm later but as it is I think my legs are going as fast as they're going to go and i just got to keep going I have no idea if I'm going to get up 10 hours or not and at that point my legs started to go away from me mm. and it was basically then a gradual degradation for the last 30k of my legs just getting worse and worse and worse through the day, which is was to be expected. Were you doing? You were having to do more running, or you were just uh, sorry, more walking, or no. were you you just running slower? 
Right, so I've done the first day in 1347. And so you know what I'm like. I said to you before I went out there that I thought day one, 14 hours, day two, 10 hours. Yeah. Well, I said to myself, I've got 10 hours and 12 minutes to make total time under 24 hours. And so I kind of set that as a target for the day. Yeah. Having said, I wouldn't set a target for the second day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't help yourself. Well, I just thought it was realistic. And the beauty, of course, once I got to aid station one, was that the rest of the course was identical than it had been the day before. And I knew in my head, because I'd looked back, exactly how long I'd spent on each section. And so I knew how long it should take me. And I could kind of pace it from there and work it out. And in my head, it would be about 10 hours. That's right. what I worked out it would be. So I set myself the target of 10 hours, not 10 hours, 12. And as you'll have heard from those earlier clips, after I left aid station one, the one I played just now, I don't know if you noticed, but I say, I want to go in under... Eight hours twelve. I want to say, and in the same clip, I said I want to go under eleven hours twelve. <laughs> I really wanted to go under was ten hours twelve, and that just showed that whilst I thought I was completely holding it together at that point, yeah, I was yeah. clearly quite tired. Yeah. The other thing that was great about day two was it wasn't anywhere near as warm as day one had got. Okay. I think the smoke had formed effectively. It was keeping yeah. the sun out. I know once once somewhere gets hot, it will retain the heat, but it wasn't. Yeah. It, it cleared over the night. So all the heat had dissipated. Right. And then the okay. smoke and cloud had come in and the sun was kept away. So it wasn't as warm as it could have been. I reckon it's... They predicted it was going to be 32 degrees. Mm. I reckon it's about 22 degrees. Okay. Yeah, it was much wow, cooler much than better. it otherwise would have been. But then there was just the bit, again, you know, leaving Crest and knowing just how tough it was going to be. And that bit around that loop when yeah. I went under the track and going back, as I said earlier, was possibly the toughest bit of all of it. And it was this time as well. Yes, but not physically. Physically, it was absolutely fine. Mentally. Physically, as in it wasn't any harder than what you were feeling at Correct. that time. Correct. And my legs, exactly. You were, you were tired. You were, you know, you couldn't get any worse, effectively. Yeah, it, it didn't, I didn't feel like my legs were about to collapse under me, but I thought I yeah. knew my legs would be fine getting to the top. But it was just the yeah, mental yeah, yeah. bit of yeah. dragging on and, oh, are we nearly there? Are we nearly there? Not quite really I remember the day before. Are we nearly there? No, we're not. Oh, yeah. Oh, I think this is it. Oh, no, it's not. Yeah, I had yeah. a couple of those moments and you know what they're like. It's, oh, yeah. It's, they're oh. devastating. Oh, God. I've just I've just forgotten this section exactly. in my head and now I've just seen it. I've just remembered. So having done yeah. that twice, I just said, right, I'm not going to think about it anymore until I saw the lady who does that bit every year at the top yeah. and sat there and I was like, oh, as soon as I saw her, it was like, yes. Yeah. And then ran down to the aid station at the bottom of that, Garibaldi. So I've just left the second to last aid station, left there uh, just over six hours, 20 minutes, which I'm really pleased with. And hopefully, if I don't do anything stupid, I can get in under 10 hours, which should be lovely. Uh, got a bit sunny and warm on the last climb, and it's a horrendous climb anyway. But uh, back in the trees now, and it feels a bit cooler. We'll see how it goes. But I'm uh, just going to take it steady. I did from here to the finish in 3.06 yesterday. What I did absolutely came the last bit. So we'll see how it goes. Hopefully, another 10 hours. The bit from there to the last aid station is basically all downhill. At least yeah. that's how it feels. You've done 50 miles a day before. You've yeah. now got about 20 kilometers this day. You've done another 30k already today. My legs were were so tired. Yeah, yeah. And this book took me so much longer. I can't remember exactly what it was. I haven't had a chance to download my Strava profile, my profile Strava, <laughs> as per usual, um, yet. But it was so much tougher yeah. than the day before. But I got to the far side and they were once again dressed up just like Laz. Yeah, yeah. The person who'd seen me the day before went, Anthony, right? And I thought, yeah. do you know what? I mean, again, once again, it's just that bit of, that's how good yeah. they were as crew. You know, they, yeah. I can't have been the only person they did that to. Yeah. And they remembered all our names. And I sort of said, still smiling. <laughs> <laughs> and then headed off. And I had two hours and 10 minutes to do what I'd done in an hour and 45 the day before. Okay. And all of a sudden, I started to believe I could do it. Yeah, yeah. So I'm well through the last day session. And on the final leg to Scormage. The last leg was really, really tough. The quads are shot. Oh. I really am struggling to run. I'm going to push it along. Uh, 
and then the last eight taken at uh, seven hours and 50 minutes and I'm hoping I can just keep pulling it along and get in under 10, 12. We'll see. Oh, it's been a tough day. And here's one of those weird things that goes through your head. Now, I guess it depends how you're motivated. I could have really eased off then, but I felt, and this sounds really stupid, I, even when I sit now, that I owed it to Brianna from the day before, who'd shown me just how fast you could run it, to put that effort in again that day. That's good. And so I ran the flat bits, climbed the climbs, and then at the end, did the final sting in the tail climb, which is horrible, up to the top of Mountain of Phlegm. Mountain of Phlegm. So I'm at the top of the final proper climb on the Squamish 50k. I can see Squamish down below me. All we've got to do is run home, get a hug from Gary and collect my hat. I've got an hour to go under 10 hours, which would be quite cool. Let's do this. And I thought, I can bury myself now. Yes. It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. And a I bit s- where your brain just releases and just goes, right. And I started down there, but my quads had absolutely gone. And it was one of those bits, you know, after you've done a big race on those days when you've got doms and you're trying yeah, to walk yeah. down the stairs. Yeah, yeah. But that's what it was like for me going down that slope. And it was yes. just, I was just grabbing trees to slow myself down because my legs couldn't do anything. They were just, yeah, yeah. I was struggling to stay upright uh-huh. the whole way down. The stairs were an absolute mare. But again, it's you know it's there. You know it's coming. You yeah, know you're yeah. about to hit the flat bit. And it was a lot tougher than the day before, those last 3K. Mm. But at that point, it was in the bag. And you know yeah, it is. Yeah, and you've yeah. got that bit of elation that's starting to surge through your body. Yes. Yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going exactly. To, do this. to get there and cross the line, which ultimately is what I did in, on that day in <coughs> nine hours, 38 minutes, uh, which made me under 23 and a half hours total. And this is the clip of me crossing the line and getting my second hug of the weekend <laughs> from Gary Robbins. Into the finish. Oh. Yeah, there you go. You heard it. Under 10 hours. Thank you. It's actually, I'll have done it 23 and a half in total, which is great. Thank you. Anthony Boom! Boom! Nicely done. Congrats, dude. There we yeah. go. We got the interview going again. Yeah, we How have. did it feel for you today? It felt great. How's it been for you? It's been uh, a great weekend, actually. Yeah, I'm right where I should be with losing my voice. I've had cool. five hours of sleep since Friday, and these are all very good things. Epic. Well, we run a podcast for mid-pack runners by mid-pack runners, so we were really impressed with what you did with the uh, 50 yesterday with your, 50, with your mid-pack award. So uh, oh. well done on that. We thought that was fantastic. Thank you. You just reminded me that we know who that is, and I forgot to make that announcement. I forgot to add that in. I haven't had a lot of sleep. Thank you, because no. I'm going to do that right now. Cool. you be at the party tomorrow? Uh, 100%. Yeah, you that's there, it. That's why we do it, so I can get a chance to hang out with people. Cheers, man. Okay. Thanks very much indeed. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Gary's put my hat on my head. It's all done. I feel really elated, but absolutely shattered. So look, that was it. That was my squirmish 50-50. It's an amazing run. And I really, really wish the views had been there because I think that would have yeah, made yeah, yeah. it much more than it was. You know, if I compare it to Transalcania... You know, yeah, we, we just went, it, it was beautiful because you've got all the trees and everything else. Yeah, it's yeah. like being in the Canadian wilderness, but the, you know, when you're on the top of the mountains of Transylvania, you can see all the other Canary Islands yeah, and yeah. You're, you're above the clouds and it's, yeah. it's amazing. This, you knew, you knew that's what this should be, but it wasn't. I guess it just comes down to runner's luck, doesn't it? Cause, no. Cause we know that of all the trail races you do, you get a bit bad weather on some of them and stuff and it's well, just luck in, luck out, don't you? Yeah. And if it, if I'd had those views, I'd have probably had it 10 degrees hotter. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, yeah. I ultimately, what would I rather have had? Well, do you know what? I probably would have rather had it cooler than seeing the views. Probably, I guess. Technically, the technical trails were really technical. What it showed to me, though, and what it made me realise was how much I enjoy those big, what I call marquee events. Yeah. You know, we've done long runs before. Mm. But there's a bit about a big finisher's arch, 
someone yeah. on a microphone, a big PA system. Yeah, yeah. You know, hundreds of people chapping, clapping you across the line. Like Transvolcania type finish. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, it, and it's not as big as Transvolcania at the finish, but it kind but, of felt the same, you know, and yeah. getting a goodie bag that's got a really good t-shirt in it and loads of really good stuff. And, yeah. you know, you're getting a, a cool finisher's cap and, and, and all that sort of stuff. I think there's something about doing some of these big races, especially, mm. I guess, cause you see them, you see people like Ethan Newbury making amazing videos about them. Yes. And then you go and do them and you feel part of that big family that's done them. And you can feel more of that family. So when you can, when you've seen them, the videos and things, I don't know. Does that sound weird? No, no, no it, it, it sounds good. And it's like, it, it's, it's an experience running that course that, that, that if you were to run it next year, you'd, like, it wouldn't be exactly the same, but you'd be able to relate exactly to it. Wouldn't you go, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that bit, this bit, this bit, you know, exactly. You, you, and it's, it's difficult unless you've done it you've kind of unless you've had that experience and unlocked it in your head to you know from the descriptions about the roots and the rocks and I'm trying to put it together in my head but I know it's going to be a very very broad approximation but if you go run it you completely associate with that and I'd suggest to anyone that they go and watch Ethan Newbury's ginger run a video of it because you know his pain in that you know, I, I, yeah. I can relate so much to how he feels in that video because he did the 50-50 didn't he he did the 50 mile the first and the 50 the second year. he did really well I mean I watched his videos I thought oh perhaps I can go that quick I can't go that quick he did it in like 20 hours 15 minutes or something total right, time wow. okay. he, did really, he, he did amazingly I do give him about 15 years mine but <laughs> <laughs> and so that was it really got home the next day my legs were in a lot Proper of pain shop. yeah if you're going to go out and do the 50-50 book early I would suggest your accommodation the accommodation in Squamish gets booked up but there is some really nice accommodation you get discounted because you're running the race which is really yeah. cool and some really great things to do around there it's a lovely place to go for a family holiday which is what we did took two weeks out in Canada Vancouver is not the cheapest place in the world it has to be said mm. but, but out in Squamish it was lovely so that's it really we'll be back in October yes and we're going to do a podcast that asks really why is ultra running really taken off in the last few years the number of events has increased tenfold I reckon in the last two or three years mm. and why is it why all of a sudden are people running ultra marathons uh, I'm going to run the Green Man Ultra in September and so I'm going to ask some people while I'm running but if you want to email us and let us know why you think it's exploded that'd be great too mm. you can email us uh, we are runners on trail at gmail.com we're on Instagram runners on trail and Twitter at runners on trail and we're going to finish with a little clip that I recorded the day after the Squamish 50k Gary Robbins hosted a party in a bar in Squamish uh, invited all of the people that had been volunteers and bought them beers all night and paid for food <laughs> and invited the runners to turn up there if they wanted to as well it happened to be in the bar that was in my hotel that I was staying in from that Monday and so I turned up and he was generous enough to buy a lot of the runners beers as well. I sat down with him and Jeff and spoke, had a chat for about 90 minutes, which was really cool. Amazing. Yeah. With some of the other volunteers. And then I asked him if I could ask him a couple of questions. So we stepped out of the bar. Some great advice, I think, for mid-pack runners. Hope you've enjoyed the podcast and we'll be back in October. So I'm lucky enough to be talking to Gary Roberts after the Squamish 50 weekend. <laughs> Two questions I've got for you. Um, so you didn't get across to the UK this year, which is a real pity yeah. to come to yeah. Bob Graham. Oh, yeah. I wonder whether in preparation for the Barclay, you thought about coming across to the UK to do something like the Spine or any of those other big winter races in the UK that would, you know, sort of 268 miles, smash yourself to pieces over five days. <laughs> whether you thought that might be preparation for the Barclay, if you're going to do it again, of course. Yeah, no, fair enough. So, hey, um... I should start by saying that if you're hearing my voice for the first time, this is not how my voice normally sounds. Uh, yelling and screaming and cheering people on for a couple of days takes its toll. But uh, yeah, I've definitely heard of the spine race and a lot of the other challenging tasks or challenging events you guys have. Um, have some interest in it for sure, but I truly believe that uh, preparing for the Barkley in particular really takes a, a long training block versus doing too many races in advance of it. I don't know that doing something like the spine in advance of the Barkley, it's pretty tight turnaround will be the best decision but uh i've seen the event i'm aware of it and uh it may or may not be on the, the long list the last thing i guess is you know it's the troll running podcast i do is for mid-pack runners yeah so which i love i think that's fantastic what if, if you had to give one piece of advice to a mid-pack runner on 
how they can improve, what how they can get better. I know that's a very general question. Yeah. But what do you think you, advice you could give to a mid-pack runner to try and make themselves a better, whatever term that is, runner? Uh, it's tough to throw out one one particular piece of advice, especially because they're coming straight out of the pub at this exact moment. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. but no, uh, you know, first thing off the top of my head really is, I, you know, I, I also work as a coach on top of the event directing side of things. And um, I think a couple of things from the coaching perspective is that people um, struggle with consistency and consistency goes a very long ways. And, uh, and on the opposite end of that spectrum is some people struggle with actually taking the, the days off necessary. So rest and recovery is a very big element of, of being able to recover and get the most out of yourself. But um, there's a lot to be said about the consistency of, of running and whether that's um, even just like 20 or 30 minutes kind of thing or, or depending on what your lifestyle allows for. But um, it's tough to, to pull off these events if you're only able to squeeze stuff in on the weekends. And if you're getting the weekend stuff in and the long back-to-backs, you know, just adding in a little bit more consistency throughout the week with, uh, with shorter runs really pays dividends. Cool. And, um, Daryl, thank you for an amazing event. <laughs> and uh, very best of luck for whatever you've got in the future. And thank Cheers, you. Mate. Congratulations on the blue hat. It looks really good on you. Thanks, mate. Cheers. <laughs> thank you.